Welcome to ADHD is Over, a new podcast on a seemingly old label that we're going to be peeling off. Join my wife, Tatiana, and I as we journey with our family, the Wyden family, through the land of confusing information. We're going to visit both sides and let you decide because the power is with you. Welcome to ADHD is Over. Welcome back. Today, my guest is Philip Folsom. Philip is one of the founders of Valor, a warrior resiliency program, and also the owner of Wolf Tribe, a consulting company that transforms teams into tribes at companies like Red Bull and SpaceX. What's up, Philip? Hey, Roman. Good to, good to be back and see you again, brother. Yeah, same here. I'm really excited uh, because I truly believe that your work um, is at the core of what needs to shift in this society. I know that's a mouthful, but maybe uh, for our listeners, just give us a little bit of an insight. What do you actually do and what's your background? <laughs> Ooh, that's a, that's a pretty, that's, that's hunting big game right there. That's a mouthful. <laughs> it uh, is. My background and what do I do? Uh, all right. So I'm uh, a man who has come from a very uh, high pre-trauma background and this would be one of those topics that weaves through, you know, our shared experience and purpose in the world. And so, you know, everybody's got trauma from childhood and it's usually focused around neglect, uh, abuse, poverty. Like there's a there's a bunch of stuff related to that. And generally uh, that pre-trauma is the thing that predisposes you to certain career choices in your life. Um, and also it predisposes you to a certain number of what they refer to as, you know, maladaptive uh, coping mechanisms, uh, mental health issues, uh, a bunch of things. So my journey led me into the military, uh, which turns out as I've been studying, you know, post-traumatic stress and mental health with veterans, uh, veterans have roughly three times the amount of pre-trauma as the average civilian. And that's one of the reasons why we have so much um, just massive increase in post-traumatic stress, clinical anxiety, depression, suicide. Um, A lot of veterans come back what they call triple D, which is drunk, disabled, and divorced. And so uh, that journey uh, of my own experience of kind of figuring out what was, you know, quote, broken about me. And it turns out there's nothing broken about me um, or anyone else. It, and we'll obviously get into some of these social constructs of broken and, you know, diagnoses and all those pieces. And, and a little example of that with post-traumatic stress, uh, we have dropped the D. It's not PTSD in the veteran community. Like, oh, are you a combat vet? You suffer from PTSD. It's like, no, we don't, we don't use the D. That's a disorder. I don't have a disorder. My, my, uh, coping mechanisms that, you know, when men come back from combat, you're hypervigilant. You don't sleep a lot. You're mistrustful of other people. You have anxiety. Like these are all things that are perfect adaptations for survival in that situation. And they no longer work in this current situation. So now we can engage with it with a really honest, clear angle of approach to address the situation instead of saying, you have a disorder. It's like, well, it wasn't a disorder, you know, when I was fighting for my life. 
And so for a lot of us who have uh, pre-trauma issues, um, whatever they are, um, abuse of any sort, well, you developed certain mechanisms that allowed for your survival. You're here because you made some shifts in your behavior that allowed you to survive. And now we get to look at those. Yeah, I, have a, I have a couple of questions. It's really, yeah. exci really exciting because I, the first book I read on ADHD was by Tom Hartman. It was called ADHD, A Different Perception. And it was about mm -hmm. the hunter farmer brain, right? The hunters who had been exposed to uh, war or having to go get food and almost die from a bear attack, right? Those hunters, uh, it, it's almost like they had an operating system, human operating system survival mechanism got got activated quicker and, and and more intense than say somebody who would be in the village helping the women set up tents and you know whatever just as an example so my question is then the armed forces are almost a modern version of hunters going to war or to hunt right mm -hmm. yeah. and so is it fair to say that a lot of the the i'll call them kids but let's call them soldiers right when they first mm -hmm. en enter is it fair to say that perhaps they were attracted to such a, a, a field or an area of expertise or a, a career because trauma to them sounded familiar? It felt familiar. It was like the way to get out. Is that an, an accurate assumption yeah. that perhaps? Yeah. And, and th obviously this whole conversation of um, mental health and just behavior and psychology in general, you're always going to wind through the nature nurture conversation like you can't escape like how much of this is genetics uh, you know how many young men are born to explore and defend and fight and obviously from a tribal perspective it's the reason why we're still here is that we had you know yeah. you you crazy spastic kids who are exploring the next valley and who can't stop throwing rocks and will hunt the squirrels and, you know, like that's that's the reason why we're here is that there is a portion of our species that is built for that to yeah. be vigilant and to explore and to fight and to test themselves. And then there's other portions which are, you know, we, we need calmness and peace and maintenance and relationships and uh, analytical strategic thinking. Like that's pretty awesome, too. Yeah. But oftentimes you know it's pretty hard to be great at multiple things so we we're a species of specialists and this is you know one of the one of the uh big things that i do in my work is i, I explore these kind of primary buckets of behavior that people have and we call them archetypes and they're they show up pervasively throughout every conversation uh around humanity whether it be resiliency or organizational development, which is what I do for a living, or when you're talking about um, any sort of mental health, sports psychology, leadership, it has to do with the fact that we have four primary archetypes of behavior. And there is a couple of them that definitely have, and this would be because you and I have played with this before in various organizations is the warrior and the sovereign or king archetype are where most of the ADHD kids are gonna drop into. Like they're going to be chasing squirrels and the next shiny object. They're going to be 
um, distracted by things. They're going to want to engage with stuff and want external validation. It'll never be enough. Like all of these things are just classic ADHD, but also young man behavior. Like it's part of the game. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, one of the things that I hear a lot is that supposedly, and I don't know if that's true, that the, the armed forces or the military says, well, we don't really take kids with disorders or mm. that are ADHD. But then it's funny because I've talked to so many people who've, who, you know, so many veterans who are like, oh, no, I was ADHD. I was on meds. I didn't tell anyone. Mm. Or, I, you know, I have a feeling that those are actually the people that you want in the armed yeah. forces, right? Sure. <laughs> Technically. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the, you know, your, your prefrontal cortex, temporal lobes, critical thinking, risk management, like none of that comes online until your late twenties in terms of all that, you know, grown up adult processing. So, you know, there is a reason why, you know, <laughs> we're sending 18 year olds to war. Yeah. Is it, they're kind of, you know, designed for it, which again, we don't want to go too far into the weeds probably, but there seems to be a societal need to have a certain component of our, of our species that does that thing. Because for uh, a quarter of a million years, our species was interacting with dozens of other hominid species on planet Earth. It, we didn't just go from caveman to human. It was, we were existing with Cro-Magnons, Neanderthals, Denovosians. At, you know, in this current form, we were, you know, competing with other versions of ourselves. And some of them were way bigger and way smarter. And there's a reason why we're here. So our evolutionary um, journey, it, it includes war. It includes mm. fear of the other. It includes tribalism, which is a it has a very dark side to it, but it also is the reason why we existed. And so mm -hmm. we won the game. And some of it is that this type of, you know, toxic masculine behavior or whatever we want to call the social construct of ADHD or masculinity or whatever that is, it, it's there for a reason. It, it's not random. It's not maladaptive. So, you know, yeah. it's the same thing. We have a, a hardwired desire for sugars and fats, right? It, and it's the reason why we survive because, you know, it's built into us to desire these things that are rare for a long period of time. And now they're not rare. And that particular propensity is making us fat and it's killing us. And same thing with our inherent fear of the other, like that made us an incredibly resilient and survive, survival species. But right now that's not serving us anymore. So, you know, let's, let's take a look at what our current behavior is and is it serving us? And that's, a, I think, a very healthy approach to looking at post-traumatic stress, at the way we diagnose certain behaviors in our culture is taking a step back from all the pop culture pieces and looking at, it, is it useful? Or is it not? Yeah, it's interesting because a lot of the the recent science shows, at least the science on the side that I'm researching and believe in, shows that ADHD uh, in in a lot of cases is a, is a uh, 
is a sort of a misdiagnosis of something that's closer to PTSD than it is to a disorder, right? So something happened stressful in the child's life and there was no system or there was no uh, uh, tech, you know, methodology in the family to process the trauma, to heal it, or even with therapies. So we go straight to a diagnosis and a pill. So my question to you would be, um, in this sort of PTSD, and you said we're dropping the D in the, in, in the armed forces, which I think is amazing that that's happening because that's kind of my secret wish that we can ADHD, we could drop the D at least to begin with, and then later make away with the disorder, right? But what do you, what do you think is a solution? And you and I talked about this before uh, related to the Marines. What's missing in our society that uh, sends men astray and the divorce rates are high and fatherless households mm-hmm. and has kids go through these, these traumas and there's no system to help them? Like, I know that's a big, big question. We can, we can chop it up. But what do you think is missing uh, that you see in your work today that we could start implementing in our society? Uh, probably two, two big things. Um, the first one is we have no rite of passage or initiation rituals from boyish behavior into you know, traditionally adult psychological masculine behavior. Uh, we're a society where young men are raised by women, you know, because dads are working and, and our, and young men don't get to see their dad's job. And many times dad's job is a very complex, strange thing that he does on this computer box, or he's not there at all. And it's, we don't get to see what dad does. And most of the time dad's not even there. And so you know, it's been relegated to the women to raise the children. And what they do so brilliantly is they domesticate us savages, which is smart because you need to be domesticated and be a, a functional human in society. But number two, they keep us safe. So, you know, here's this little box that the women do. And at some point in every culture uh, in the history of humanity, we have moved from our mother's house into our father's house, where now you get to slowly start moving into the house of men, which replaces the mother's operating system with the father's operating system. And you, you start seeing healthy conflict and you start seeing discipline and you start seeing self-control and you start modeling off this deep and very solid foundation of behavior that is heroic and honorable and virtuous and duty bound and, and has self-control and discipline and you start aspiring. And that's the number one way that humans learn is we model off of the people who are around. So after, you know, hundreds of generations where we no longer have initiation rituals and we no longer know what our dads do, then all of a sudden we're, we're not even having access to this solid foundation of traditional healthy masculine behavior. And so initiation rituals, that's the first one. And then the second one would be reintegration rituals because whether it be veterans or um, ADHD kids or whatever it is, there's trauma involved in that. Like you're going, whether you're being ostracized, you're being um, rejected, you're being labeled, there is trauma in 
this experience because you're not playing the nice guy role where you're getting good grades and you're being the good kid. They have their own forms of trauma, but the journey that you and I took, well, that, that's pretty clear clinical trauma and isolation is one of them and, and um, being marginalized and being diagnosed and being, um, you know, all of these things that ADHD, PTSD kids have. So how do you heal that? And again, just like initiation rituals, we have always had reintegration rituals of people, whether they be boys or girls, who have suffered some sort of a wound, which is childbirth, war, the loss of a parent, some sort of a wound where you get to heal it. And that, you know, in the Native American cultures, that would be a purification ritual where, hey, you know, send you into a sweat lodge, or you go on a vision quest uh, where you get to do some soul searching and some, and it's a guided and facilitated and mentored process where we're bringing you back into alignment with what is your healthy role within the tribe? Because we need you in the tribe. And so, you know, if we just reject you out with some social construct, bizarre diagnosis, like, hey, you're broken. Like there's, we've lost those kids at that point. And the same thing with medication. Like we, we've kind of lost them. You're just dealing with now coping mechanisms. You're not, you're not in self-care land at that point. So um, yeah, uh, some sort of reintegration rituals after trauma and then initiation rituals, which are, uh, those are the two big things that I see society um, needing to reintroduce and, and it's happening in a, in a number of fronts. That's great. Now, can we talk about in your ideal world, what would be a initiation for a boy? Uh, I'm just going to stick to boys right now because that, that's the uh, majority of uh, ADHD diagnoses, right? Mm -hmm. In this, in this country. Um, what would be an initiation ritual that you could see happening or be implemented? Where would it be implemented? And how old would the boys be roughly, just to give our listeners an idea of something tangible we could create in society, right? Yeah. Um, initiation rituals or rite of passage are traditions, right? They're, they're, they're sacrifices that are made. And they help ease the transition from one way of being to another. So it isn't a one-stop thing. And, you know, there is the classic rite of passage initiation where at 13, the Jewish boy goes to a bar mitzvah and he becomes a man. And like, that's a classic initiation ritual. Um, or in indigenous cultures, uh, many times they'll, they'll actually have the, the men come storming into the village where the mothers are raising the boys and the men will pretend to steal the boys and the women cry and they, Oh no, don't take my boy. And then the, the, the boys are terrified because they're being pulled into the darkness of the man world. And it's all an act. It's all a show. And, and then, so they're taken out into the woods and then they're, the boy is killed, right? Their boy is ritually scarred right? Or receives a tattoo or gets a tooth knocked out or is circumcised or there's, there's a, a whole slew of, of, you know, metaphor deaths. 
And then you're reborn in some other version of yourself, which is now, I don't want to call it an upgrade, but hopefully that's the journey where, hey, now you're a man. So now you get to put aside certain behaviors that are childish, uh, you know, playing video games. Um, in our culture, there's a lot of stuff that would appear to be just classically childish that you see grown men doing. And you go, wow, when did, when did that happen? And, and so initiations are going to happen regularly um, throughout our life. And I think it's kind of a, um, a good time to at least look at the word practice or, or ritual. Um, habits just reinforce the status quo. That's what a habit is. And, they're, and habits are based simply on efficiency because change is really hard. So we, we will always revert back to the path of least resistance. So if you don't have to change, like if there's a pill to take, like, oh, just take the pill. Like, that's easy. It's the path of least resistance. Yeah, special ed, easy, or whatever it is. Um, to actually now intentionally change something, that, that's now not a habit. It's a practice. And practices are always uncomfortable. They're always hard. And, and so when you're establishing habits, uh, there is a sacrifice inherent in that. You're giving up something to be able to start building some infrastructure of yeah. big, ongoing sustainable change. And when you do that sacrifice over a period of time, that would be called a ritual. And indigenous cult, any culture that is... Um, robust and healthy has maintenance rituals that are in place that maintain the behavioral standards of our, of our culture. And if we don't have those kids spin off into some pretty weird, dark places. That's uh, would you agree that, that the rituals that are missing clearly are within, I call them the buckets. One is the bucket of parenting. Hmm. Right. The other one is self-development. Like I, I think we all get to the point where we do a, a few seminars and we're like, we're good. We're good. I'm good. I don't need to do anything else. Or, you know, I know how to parent my child. Don't tell me how to raise my child. I think there's a misunderstanding in there that, that what I love, it's what I love what you're saying is like, we need to keep up those uh, um, <clears throat> kind of refreshers and those kind of keep that ritual alive so that we can keep growing, right? 100 percent. There is no stasis. Thing, um, everything, every system is designed for um, what's called entropy, which is the death of movement. And, you know, and it, it's like everything is going to settle back down to some sort of a, the lowest, lowest energetic level. That's where things tend towards. So to keep whatever going, whether it's a spiritual practice or a workout regimen or a healthy diet or, or even, you know, dating your wife, like everything takes energy. And so, you know, the, the vigilance to be able to hold that place, it, it's a big one. I mean, it, it takes a lot of energy and it takes a collective um, focus of people who are good at certain things and they're, they're um, committed and maybe even, built for a, a function that holds that up in our tribe. And mm. so there are people who love 
um, relationships and they thrive on it. That's the currency of, of their marketplace. And then, you know, there's uh, people who are love, boy, innovation and they love change and exploration and, and, you know, valid external validation is part of that. Mm-hmm. And so those are the expressive type people. And, and you do that inherently, like you, it's just one of those things that you don't have to work to do that. Right. Um, for you, you have to work to be disciplined and to be detail oriented and granular and do the, but there are some people who love that. So we do seem to be designed for a really collaborative and very reciprocal relationship that um, I call tribe. And And that means that we have this collective consciousness, which you would call a culture, right? If you're you're using the uh, popular business language, what is our company culture? So that is a collection of people and the behaviors of those collective people. And it needs to be uh, synergistic. One person cannot maintain, even honestly, two people of two parents cannot maintain a, a full spectrum, holistic, successful culture. Like you need um, your neighbors and you need your community. And that's why, you know, uh, big systems like uh, religion are, have still that, that vacuum that we lost when we had the collapse of tribe. Like, and it's con- in, you know, nature abhors a vacuum. It, it, there is stuff that's going to fill those spaces in our society. If we don't fill them intentionally, something will come in and fill them. And usually it's, it's crap. It's video games and fast food. And gangs, right? That's how gangs get so, get started or get so popular because it replaces the the peer, right? The peers are now the parents Mm -hmm. almost. Now I, you know, the, the high divorce rate, um, and the high ADHD rate for me is clearly, uh, related because, if, if you have a tribe, a mini tribe called family and the father is missing, um, what, do you, what do you think, you said the mothers, right? They, they jump in and they, they so beautifully protect and nurture as much as they can, right? But in today's society, what do you think actually happens to say a boy when the father is suddenly gone and the mother has to work and stressed, you know, which is her more in the masculine, what happens to a boy? What are the things that can happen to a boy that, that we don't want to happen? First off, um, there seems to be some very overwhelming research that the um, nuclear family, mom, dad, kids, behind some sort of a, a walled compound in Los Angeles, or whatever that looks like, is, is not a successful strategy for maintaining um, flourishing people. It, it simply isn't, there isn't enough uh, support and collective wisdom for, for people to be healthy. And- As, as, a, as a family, as a- Yeah, the nuclear family, the, the traditional yeah. American nuclear family is not the way we are designed to operate. And in, 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 I'm talking about, you know, indigenous cultures are much more, uh, collaborative and and interwoven and complex and supportive and rich in terms of and their mental health and physical health 
So it's, most, not that the, it's not that the nucleus doesn't work. It doesn't work because the system to support it isn't in, in, the, in a modern family isn't yeah. tribal, right? Correct. Uh, it would now if you had multiple families that are had a, are in a tight community, like where you know the name of all your police officers, and you you're going to Sunday church and you go uh, participate in barn raisings. Like there was enough community um, fabric uh, 50 years ago where it still maintained a certain amount of a tribal consciousness. But we have been falling back more and more into this nuclear family, which has been incredibly, is incredibly isolating and marginalizing in terms of uh, the support that you need to be a successful human. And, and then the disaster obviously is when you have a single parent and it's, it, that's a bleak thing. And it, it's, it's pretty much the number one driver for um, looking at the, the path that particularly young men have. It's the number one thing. Uh, did you have two parents in the household? It really is the uh, number one variable that is going to uh, dictate the money you make. Um, are you going to stay out of prison? You know, like all of these big traumatic events, the uh, single parent families, that's the number one variable. Mm. So Except it's, for obviously some exceptions who were so traumatized, they were like, fuck you, I'll show you. And they become successful, but not fulfilled. So that's the, the, yeah, that's a rare, those are rare. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, most, yeah. like we're seeing a few, you know, uh, bootstrap unicorn stories. Most yeah. of them end up, you know, prison. Does that, I mean, that, just take a look at um, Majority. Yeah. the numbers of, of young men. And it happens to be men that are in prison and homeless and commit suicide and die in wars. It's all young fatherless men. You know, that, that's, that's the bleak reality of, of that. That's what I heard uh, uh, Candace Owen was sharing recently and whether, you know, you believe in, it's not a left or right political thing, but she was saying that, you know, fatherless households are a huge contribution to obviously poverty, jail, mm -hmm. crime. It, it's in the numbers. It's not, nobody made this up, right? It's, it's, oh, it's, it's, it's the, the number one variable. Yeah. That, it, that, that, you know, everybody wants to blame, um, you know, a whole bunch of external factors of, you know, it's a systemic racism or right. it's the, it's the government or like, whatever. it's like, yes, those are all fat variables, but they pale next to fatherless yeah. households. Like right. if you want to yeah. go fight the dragon, that's the one. That's the one. I agree. I always say, look, these are, uh, when it comes to ADHD, like people talk about food and exercise and all. And I go, yes, absolutely. Those are, those will inflame the wound, but there is a deeper wound. It's not that you're eating uh, just food colors and that's why you have ADHD, right? It doesn't help, but the dragon is really, in, in our case, the trauma, right? So now, if we were to reverse engineer from a household that's supported by tribe with a nuclear family, there's a father, we go back to uh, that father being a child at some point, getting initiated from boy to man or prince to king, like, what can we do today? What, what can, uh, perhaps we can talk about what can we as a society do, right, in education or workplace or so forth, but what can the individual 
a, a parent do today to ensure that their their son doesn't stay a prince and starts to get into drugs and you know uh, becomes another uh, statistic that divorces his first wife and blah 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 right what what can yeah. we do today uh level up your own operating system that's the first one and and i would give this advice to even um you know the business folks that i work with like how do i lead better and how do i create more morale and engagement in my team i'm like okay level up your operating system because uh you are the head of culture you know you you parents you parents what you model is vastly more important than anything that you're doing any you know retreat you're attending or any you know links that you're sending to your kid watch this video it all pales next to what is your behavior what have you integrated into your the quality of your life that you are now projecting and and providing that that roadmap for your kids so do the work and it's hopeful i don't want to be all just gloom and doom about you know, all these scary you know suicide statistics and all this we have access to all of the wisdom of humanity on the the box that you're looking at watching this podcast on like here it is so um we now just have to find a way to integrate that into some sort of practical wisdom process and you know we have we have success uh that is available to us like we really are um you know at a crossroads of you know there's some there's a pretty bleak path that we're on and then there's some remarkable opportunities for yeah. complete transcendence of our species if we're able to actually do the work and it is going to be work it's not free there is going to be some sacrifices for the sacred that are going to have to happen so you know there is a lot of organizations and you and I are both part of you know a, a men's group that we do this work with and that's my version of that is you know creating a community of people whether it be you know a church or uh, you know whatever it is that makes sense for you that is committed to ongoing growth and development because healing ourselves is that first step in healing our kids and our communities because we're we're modeling that and we're all connected at not only a social but you know energetic um way that is really powerful and it's great that you mentioned i love what you said the head of culture right if parents looked at themselves as, as head of culture and uh, one of my mentors likes to say culture is culture it just means it's a structure that says this is how we're doing things and if we're in it right there's room for us to uh, up level that culture especially in a family if we're in this little nucleus how can a parent up level and you know there's like you said there's a lot of stuff out there that 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 we can do like transformational courses and men's work and women's work and parenting classes why don't we do them why do most parents i talk to this is a very sad statistic it's like 75% of the parents i talk to don't do any work in parenting or self development they're just like yeah that's not for me and i'm just it's uh, hard that's it it's hard it's much easier to um 
eat a McDonald's hamburger than it is to food prep. It's yeah. just hard. And the same thing, that's, that's why we call it sacrifice is, you know, you're, the root of the word decide is the same root as homicide and suicide and sexicide. So to decide to be a better parent and to decide to heal yourself and decide to heal your kids and your family, you're going to have to kill off some things. And they're things that are um, obviously important to you because you're still doing them. So to go decide to get healthy and meal prep means you're going to have to kill off McDonald's. And, and that, that, that death is not easy. It's an uncomfortable process. And, and there's some stories, expectations. Uh, there's a bunch of, um, and even the support system and external validation of our culture that is saying, eat this McDonald's, is not the best for eyes? It's like, okay. Like, it, it's, a, it's a rejection of a certain status quo or paradigm uh, so incredibly important surround yourself with people that are on this same journey. You have yeah. to, and this is one of those just life success tools is how do you find build and maintain your allies? And these are, cause you are going to be, you know, the five people that you're around the most, you're that person. So how do you find these tremendous people that are going to inspire and hold you accountable for this journey that you're on. And, and you and I both are, you know, have explored iron John and mm -hmm. there's a part of that in that book. And I encourage, since this is kind of a male conversation, all young men and old men need to read iron John. It is filled with the practical solutions for this journey. And so in the beginning of that, that book, is the process of the hunter um, bucketing out the lake. And that's your subconscious. And that's the old stories to get to your authenticity. And, and you cannot bucket this lake out by yourself. You cannot read enough self-help books or attend workshops uh, enough yourself to be able to upgrade your own operating system. You need, because the upgrade is the death of of your old story, which means you have to, part of you has to die. Your habits have to die. And so there's going to be that moment, that day where you didn't get enough sleep and you're hungry and your blood sugar's low and you go to McDonald's. Shit. But if you're part of those, and in Iron John, they say the three good men who help you bucket out the lake. If you've got your three good men and y'all don't go to McDonald's because if you do, you have behaved dishonorably. And this is why the adult masculine operating system is so important because it runs on honor. And I would, I would rather die than uh, behave dishonorably to my, my, particularly my circle of men. I will not go eat McDonald's because the, the pain of not being part of those good men is incredibly louder than the pain of me wanting McDonald's. Like, eh, you know, I'll, I'll make that sacrifice because tribe is that important. And many men have never known what it feels like to be part of an honorable tribal culture, unless you've played sports, unless you've been in the military, unless you're part of a fraternity, 
like we have, and you're, we still know it's there because we're obsessed with the Avengers. We're obsessed with war movies. We're obsessed with heroic, honorable men, because at some point we want that thing. So, um, I'm not sure where we started that, but well, we went on a journey. No, no, that's great. And I think honor is really uh, uh, the key word here because it's a value, right? Like uh, somebody was recently asking me, what are, what do you value? What are your values in life? And I, it took me a while to really boil it down to core values. And even, even honor was like, I was like, well, I wasn't really taught that, you know, like I was in the Swiss army, but that's mandatory. That was a vacation camp compared to American service. And then my dad wasn't really, you know, he was kind of comfortable and living in the closet and, and, uh, suppressed, you know, uh, not a, not a great masculine role model, a great human being role model in terms of patience and, you know, uh, not holding resentments and so forth. But I, I didn't have that. And I wonder with all these fatherless households, like where are kids going to get that? Right. And especially with ADHD kids that are not only what did you call it? Tamed by their mother, but they're also sedated by mm -hmm. medication. And I know mm -hmm. these mothers and fathers mean well, right? They're just, they don't see any other way out. Just like somebody going to get a burger at McDonald's. It's like, I don't have time. I need to eat. So I need, and I don't have money. So I got to, you know, um, I'm just a little concerned that with that many fatherless households, and honor not being available other than the military or sports, which those single mothers may not have time to facilitate that. Yeah. You know, where you are we going? Where are we going I mean, with this culture? God bless that. I mean, uh, and I was raised by a single mom. She had two jobs, two teenage sons, fucking nightmare. What a disaster. I mean, I, I mean, I, if, if I could see her right now, I'd apologize to her, you know, like, it was horrible. Oh my God. I have, I have so much like shame and regret about that whole piece, but I didn't have the tools. So I was like, Oh, well, you know, that was my story. Um, and honor. Well, it certainly is. I mean, you could classify honor as a value. It's, it's bigger than a value. It's an actual um, cultural operating system. Honor. It's one, it's, it's the big one because honor is, is really the, um, the way that we maintain the accountability relationship that you and I have, you know, you, right. if you're part of another brother and you know, that's, that's a word that is, it's an important word. Like it means you are a tribesman. And so that inner circle of, um, you know, really intimately connected, aligned, reciprocal, collaborative, culture sharing men that's called that's honor it's the only way it exists is with that and the opposite of honor is called pride and pride culture is what we're currently experiencing most of us which is um, my needs first which is why it's well my needs are mcdonald's or my needs are video games and my needs are porn and and those are all coping mechanisms right they're, they're not self-care protocol, resiliency protocol. That's stuff that really we be, exist in an honor-based culture. And so 
leveling that up is a really important process because initiation will not happen without it. But why, you know, one of the questions I hear all the time is like, why should I care? You know, the world is, is falling apart. I may as well just have fun. We get to create whatever we want. You know, I'll have fun and then I'll make sure my kids have money and I'll move on. Like, it's fine. Like, it's that selfish, you know, I'm assuming they get to the end of the life. They're in the deathbed and they're like, oh, shit, I kind of missed the big one, you know. But it's almost like there's no wake up bell. Hey, if you don't have honor, here's the shit that's going to go down, you know. Uh, how, how do we get people present to, and including myself, like I have to remind myself, oh, I gave my word or, oh, I should honor. I really want to be part of, you know, and I think it's, it's the cycle of going back into pity and disconnectedness and sort of, I call it like mild depression. It's that cycle that always gets me to go, wait. And this is one of my favorite sayings that you use. It's like lone wolves die, you know, they can't survive. And I'm guilty of that. I go back mm -hmm. into my lone wolf, my lone wolf, and I'm not getting anywhere emotionally. There's some things I want to achieve I haven't yet achieved. How come? Well, it's the structure, the support network that I haven't built. You know, I'm just saying for myself, uh, it'd be harder for some single parent who's like, I don't fucking have time to think about this, right? Yeah. But where are the men? Where are the men? The men have left. So that's the work yeah. you do is bringing them back to the table, bringing them back to right honor. Um, what else do you see out there when you work with men that uh, brings them to the, you know, cause divorces? Uh, you know? uh, I think it's important uh, to realize that the only way we're going to make sense of this or, or, the only way out is through is the recognition that um, for there to be meaning or purpose, we have to find some something larger than ourselves, And that's the pride culture that we're stuck in. And we're, we're wondering why life feels meaningless and why there's this, this almost desperate quest for purpose. What's my purpose? Why am I doing this? Because really what is the point of, you know, just making money or just getting through the day or, Ooh, I unlocked level four on, you know, whatever video game you're playing, like what's the point. And uh, the Buddhists have a really uh, kind of painful, but wonderful um, analogy for people who are endlessly searching for pleasure and external validation. That is the currency of pride culture. And they call them hungry ghosts which are these sort of phantom-like people with, with little tiny mouths and they're starving to death, but they can't put enough food in this little tiny mouth. And that's because they're, they're searching for pleasure, right? And not purpose or passion. And, um, and I, it's such a sad, you know, it's such a sad little uh, analogy, but yeah. that is the world. They're filled with phantoms and starving ghosts who are just desperately trying to get enough likes and external validation that it gets them through that painful moment of distraction instead of elevation. Because elevation is hard. Elevation in, entails climbing. And you have to work to be able to do that. But it's the only thing that makes sense of, of the inherent suffering. Like the inherent suffering of existence um, is unavoidable. So 
you know, it, it, you're going to get old, your back's going to hurt. It sucks working out. It's no fun to say, you know, no to sugared cereals and, you know, eat broccoli or whatever your store, whatever your sacrifice story is. Um, but that sacrifice in itself is what opens the door to the sacred, which is, you know, that thing that finally starts having it make sense. And it's sort of the nuclear reactor of, of a human is realizing it's not about me. Oh my God. It's about something bigger. And that, and I, I, my equation for that purpose is number one, uh, find out what your passion is, not your pleasure. And the distinction here is if it is externally validated, it's pleasure, video games, McDonald's, uh, how many likes you get on your last Instagram post, if it's externally um, sourced, it's pleasure. It's, and it's not passion. Passion is always internal. It is an internally sourced, sourced thing. And it is um, what, what breaks your heart? What is something that you're willing to suffer for? Because passion um, literally means to suffer. Like the passion of the Christ is when he, he was crucified. So find your passion first. Um, what would you do for fun and for free? If you, if, you know, money's no object, you don't have to do this. What, what is that thing that is your special genius? And it's probably connected to your trauma. At some point, some wound or something that broke your heart is really where your passion is. And, and that next you find out where that passion serves people. And that's your purpose. So that little equation is kind of worth, worth, worth exploring what are those variables, you know, and yeah. that leads you to your career and it leads you to the thing that makes sense of, of this weird journey that we're on. There's a favorite saying that of mine that uh, I didn't make this up, but your mess is your message, right? Is where, mm -hmm. that's where you find out what, what am I actually trying to say? And it's funny that or uh, creating a movement on ADHD because I was, I had a lack of nurture, you know, I had a lack of groundedness from my father and the family. So therefore I was, you know, all over the place and that sort of became my own ADHD undiagnosed at the time. And, and I passed that on to my kids when my son was born, you know, like I was still a prince, still a boy, like cheating. And, you know, it was uncertainty for him to be at home, not feeling safe, not feeling like his father is clear what, what's going on. And, and for uh, his mom to be anxious and fearful and stressed, you know, that's a trauma. That's a big trauma. Yep. Well, it's been a great uh, conversation. And, and I just feel like the work you're doing is very, very important, especially right now with what's happening in the world. I feel like we are going to need uh, hunters. We are going to need men who tribes who can support each other and and uh Yuval Harari the author of Sapiens he uh said in one of his articles that the the most important skill of this century will be reinvention right mm -hmm. for our boys teenagers young adults men to be able to reinvent and head in a different direction right but we can't do that as as I'm hearing from you if we don't have the support of the three or five men um, allies. And we can't do it if we are 
seeking pleasure or going for this pride part of the pride culture versus versus honor. Mm. So it's tall order, you know. Mm. Uh, but as you said, climbing up. Wait, climbing up gets you to the tall order. That kind of makes sense. Elevation. Elevation and operating system upgrades. 100 percent you know and all of this is actually encapsulated um and this this would be i guess my my blessing uh to all you watchers and sort of my sign sign off before yours um it's a rabbi hillel and he said this like two thousand years ago but uh if you are not for yourself then who will be and that's you know the self-care process that you need to work on your regulation system upgrade so if you're not for yourself who will be secondly if you are not for others then what are you which means service meaning purpose kingdom like honor things that are bigger than yourself and then lastly if not now when so if you're waiting for the society to start pushing down you know, here's the new guidelines. If you're waiting for permission, if you're waiting for enough time to finally start taking care of yourself, it's too late. Like you have to move. And this, this is our time. This is our, our only time is right now. So take care of yourself, serve others, move now. So what I'm hearing in that is that us as parents with children with ADHD, right? Most of our listeners are parents with children with ADHD, is that parents go first. We have to take care of ourselves first so that we can be the best a parent, but also, mm-hmm. you know, father, mom, like whatever the combo mm-hmm. of parents are, so that we can really take care of our children or make them feel safe, make them feel like they have a home filled with love and understanding and they can actually stop, you know, flapping around in the wind and perhaps the symptoms of ADHD will disappear. I think that is our prediction here, isn't it? <laughs> it is. And it's, it's more it, taking care of yourself. Parents is more important than just empowering you to then take care of, you know, your kids, you are modeling your behavior <laughs> is literally creating their behavior. Every little nuance, every time you pick your phone up during dinner, you are are giving them that operating system. You're creating it for your kids. So be very intentional about how you're living your life because you're creating their life. I love it. Philip Folsom of Wolf Tribe and Valor. Thank you so much, Philip, for this uh, really amazing conversation. I really appreciate that. And hey, uh, men, if you're watching, looking for a men's group, um, we both belong to a men's group. Ours is K4, like letter K, number four, men.com. And if you're looking for uh, a bunch of good men to help you bucket out your lake, we'd love to have you. That's great. And I'm going to put all those links uh, in the show notes so our listeners can uh, follow that and uh, perhaps participate because I am definitely a testament of, of uh, tribe is needed and uh, having a few, a few good men on my yep. side has made me a better man. So thank you, Philip. Until next time. All righty. Thank you, my friend.